1988, Canadian sprinter Ben Johnson was declared the fastest man in the world after finishing the 100-meter dash in 9.79 seconds at the Summer Olympics. In 2001, San Francisco Giants left fielder Barry Bonds made history after hitting 71 home runs in a single season, the most in Major League Baseball's history. And in 2005, American cyclist Lance Armstrong became a hero to his fellow cancer survivors after winning his seventh consecutive Tour de France. Yet, the fame of all of these sports legends would eventually come crashing down. Three days after his victory at the 1988 Summer Olympics, Ben Johnson was disqualified from the race, and he would eventually be banned for life from competitive sprinting. In 2011, Barry Bonds was found guilty of obstruction of justice, and in spite of his success, he was never inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And in 2012, Lance Armstrong was stripped of all seven of his Tour de France titles and banned for life from virtually all professional sports leagues. The common factor in all of these cases was, of course, the use of performance-enhancing drugs, colloquially known as doping. Following their historic victories, Ben Johnson, Barry Bonds, and Lance Armstrong were all found to have illegally improved their athletic performances using anabolic steroids. And yet, these three are far from the only athletes who have used PEDs. As per a World Anti-Doping Agency study, 44% of participants in the 2011 World Championships in Athletics admitted to using PEDs. When posed with Goldman's Dilemma, a hypothetical question of whether or not one would consume a substance that would guarantee them athletic success but cause their death within five years, approximately half of athletes stated that they would take such a substance. In 2011, the World Anti-Doping Agency even banned the Russian Olympic delegation from the 2018 Winter Olympics due to their well-documented state-sanctioned doping practices. In 2019, the agency handed Russia an additional four-year ban from all major sporting events, although this is mostly irrelevant now since Russia is banned indefinitely from international competition due to the invasion of Ukraine. Needless to say, performance-enhancing drug use is an epidemic in sports, but just how did it get this bad? The earliest recorded use of performance-enhancing substances can be traced back to ancient Greece and ancient Rome, where athletes were given herbal infusions to improve their athletic performance. In Scandinavia, Viking athletes were said to have been given psychedelic mushrooms to increase their physical power. In Victorian England, race walker Abraham Wood stated that it was common for him and his fellow competitors to use opioids in order to stay awake for the entirety of their lengthy races. Later on, cycling rose to prominence as a sport in Europe and North America, particularly week-long bike races. In order to maintain endurance over the course of these races, cyclists would inject themselves with nitroglycerin, a cardiac stimulant. 
Following the advent of anabolic steroids in the mid-20th century, doping in sports really took off. As evidenced by their recent ban as a consequence of state-sanctioned doping, Russia has a prominent history of doping, primarily during the Soviet era. Over 150 Russian and Soviet athletes have been caught doping at the Olympics, by far the most out of any country. Elsewhere in the Soviet sphere of influence, East Germany experienced an epidemic of doping starting in the 1960s. In many cases, doping was done without the consent of the athletes using the substances in question. According to East German ski jumper Hans George Aschenbach, quote, long-distance skiers start having injections to their knees from the age of 14 because of their intensive training. For every Olympic champion, there are at least 350 invalids. There are gymnasts among the girls who have to wear corsets from the age of 18 because their spine and their ligaments have become so worn. There are young people so worn out by the intensive training that they come out of it mentally blank. And of course, in football, baseball, hockey, and basketball, the United States continues to struggle with our own doping crisis. This crisis can be traced back to one man who opened the Pandora's box that is PEDs in the 1950s with the introduction of a new substance to American sports. I'm going to tell you all about it right now on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 69th episode of this podcast, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. Special thank you to Patreon subscribers Barbara, Lisa Chase, and Tom. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. The father of anabolic steroids in American sports was a man by the name of John Bosley Ziegler. Born in Montana in 1920, Ziegler came from a long line of southern Pennsylvania doctors, starting with his great-grandfather who served as a Union Army surgeon during the Battle of Gettysburg. Ziegler and his family returned to southern Pennsylvania during his childhood, and in 1942, he graduated from Gettysburg College with a degree in medicine. After graduating, he enlisted in the Marine Corps to fight in World War II. Ziegler was sent to the Pacific Theater, where he was seriously wounded in action and later discharged. The surgery he underwent to remove the bullets lodged in his body sparked an interest in recuperative medicine, which he would go on to study at the University of Maryland Medical School. After working as an intern at hospitals in Norfolk, Virginia, Mobile, Alabama, and New Orleans, Louisiana, Ziegler established his own practice in Olney, Maryland. As a sort of side gig, 
Ziegler also conducted part-time chemistry research at the Seba Pharmaceutical Lab in Summit, New Jersey. Additionally, Ziegler was a major gym rat and a regular at the York Barbell Club near his Pennsylvania hometown. This gym was owned by Bob Huffman, the long-standing coach of the U.S. Olympic weightlifting team. Seeking to combine his two favorite things, medicine and weightlifting, into a career, Ziegler offered Huffman his services as the team's physician. Ziegler's love of weightlifting set him apart from most other doctors, and in 1954, he was hired as the U.S. Olympic weightlifting team doctor. The 1954 World Weightlifting Championships took place in Vienna, Austria in October of 1954. This event was more than just an athletic competition. In the midst of the Cold War, this was an event that would help to determine whether the United States or Soviet Union was, quite literally, stronger. Over the course of the championships, three American weightlifters took home gold medals. Pete George, Tommy Kono, and Norbert Shemansky. However, four of the events will be won by Soviet weightlifters. Bakir Farkutinov, Rafael Chimishkian, Dmitry Ivanov, and Arkady Vorobyov. Dejected over his team's loss, John Ziegler did what any of us would do in his situation. He went out to have a drink or two. While at a bar in Vienna, he pondered some of the observations he made about Soviet athletes, from their abnormally hairy appearance to their need to be catheterized to urinate despite being in their 20s. Later that night, he was approached by a Soviet team physician. The two had a couple of drinks together before the Soviet doctor asked Ziegler, quote, What are you giving your boys? Ziegler stated that the American weightlifting team was not taking any substances, to which the other doctor responded that Soviet weightlifters were being given testosterone to improve their athletic performances. From then on, Ziegler resolved to make the American team just as competitive by any means necessary. Back in the U.S., he started treating himself and other weightlifters with small amounts of testosterone to test the waters, but he soon pulled the plug on this idea due to negligible impact on performance as well as the horrible side effects he and the others experienced. Ziegler spent the next four years experimenting at SIBA to find the perfect drug that would improve athletic performance without adverse effects. He struck gold in 1958 with the anabolic steroid methandionone. Ingested orally, methandionone massively enhanced the performance of Ziegler and his fellow weightlifters with minimal side effects. Seeing its potential, SIBA put methandionone on the market under the brand name Dianabol. of methandionone revolutionized weightlifting in America. Every weightlifter in America needed John Ziegler's miracle drug so that they could maximize their performance. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger later admitted to using methandionone in his autobiography. Athletes in other sports started using the drug as well. 
coaches of collegiate football teams like Oklahoma University and professional teams like the San Diego Chargers began administering methadone to players en masse. York Barbell Club, where Ziegler belonged, became the home of the strongest weightlifters in the country. Inspired by the Soviet doctor he had previously conversed with, Ziegler decided to prescribe methadone to the entire U.S. Olympic weightlifting team ahead of the 1960 Summer Olympics in Rome, Italy. Many of these weightlifters, including Charles Vinci, Isaac Berger, Tommy Kono, Jim George, James Bradford, and Norbert Shemansky, had competed at the 1954 competition and were seeking revenge on their Soviet opponents. On September 7, 1960, the Olympic weightlifting tournament in Rome began. Medals in seven weight classes were up for grabs, and the Americans were eager to defeat the Soviets. However, in a shocking turn of events, only one American weightlifter, Charles Vinci, won gold. Meanwhile, Polish weightlifter Ireneusz Polinski won gold in his weight class, while five Soviet athletes won gold medals. Yevgeny Miniev, Viktor Bushwev, Alexander Korinov, Arkady Vyorobyev, and Yuri Vlaslov. An embarrassed U.S. Olympic weightlifting team returned home in shambles, and Ziegler would soon discover that he had unleashed a dangerous beast on American sports that was far worse than the loss of any competition. With his own athletes, John Ziegler had a strict policy of only prescribing very small doses of methadone so as to avoid adverse side effects. You see, in sizable doses, methadone can cause acne, dermatitis, hair loss, male breast tissue growth, and infertility. Ziegler was therefore horrified when he learned that some weightlifters had taken over 20 times the prescribed dosage in an attempt to reach their maximum potential in the sport. Among these athletes, Ziegler observed that they had unnaturally enlarged prostates and their testicles had atrophied. Some were even experiencing cirrhosis of the liver and liver failure as a result of their steroid usage. Fed up with the antics of the York Gym Rats, an outraged Ziegler cut ties with York Barbell Club in 1967. Five years later, in an interview with Science Magazine, Ziegler explained why he left York, stating, quote, I lost interest in fooling around with IQs of that caliber. Now methadone is about as widespread among these idiots as marijuana. In his later life, Ziegler became an outspoken opponent of the drug he had created, saying, quote, I wish to God now I'd never done it. I'd like to go back and take that whole chapter out of my life. He eventually developed heart disease, which he would attribute to his own experimentation with methadone. In 1983, John Ziegler died due to complications from heart disease. A few months later, Seba pulled Diana Ball from the market as a result of pressure from the Food and Drug Administration. Methadone was eventually banned in its entirety by the Anabolic Steroids Control Act of 1990, introduced by then-Delaware Senator Joe Biden. However, methadone remains legal and commonly used in Mexico, and it is occasionally trafficked into the U.S., 
Needless to say, if he was still alive, John Ziegler would not be happy with the current state of doping in sports, as he said shortly before his death, quote, It is bad enough to have to deal with drug addicts, but now healthy athletes are putting themselves in the same category. It's a disgrace. Who plays sports for fun anymore? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. I certainly found it fascinating to learn about. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, please send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura, signing off, but not for long.